I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Discover North Korea, the podcast that takes you on a journey beyond the political narratives and to places in North Korea you never knew were possible to visit. I am your host, Zoe, from Zoe Discovers, and today we're going to explore the North Korean countryside, famous landscapes, mountains, rivers, and waterfalls. Before we get started, though, I want to say a massive thank you for coming back once again. This is episode 28, and I might end up breaking this into two episodes, episodes 28 and 29. Let's see how far we get today. I do have a special request on reviews before we get started. If you do listen to this and if you enjoy it, then it would mean the world to me if you can give it a little review. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you can leave a little note as well, a little comment, and you have a minute whilst you're listening, if you can pop in a comment there too, that would be absolutely amazing. I am no stranger to getting backlash on social media. Of course, the topics I cover are controversial and many people have, you know, inherent problems with tourism to North Korea, which of course I promote here. And I understand where these problems and difficulties come from, and indeed I address it often. In the end, I believe that tourism does more good than harm. So I get a lot of comments and messages from people who don't think that way, which is fine. But I feel like with a podcast, I mean, it's a little bit different to social media. Um, You know, With all of the feedback and stuff like that I get on social media, even if it's directed at me as a person, it's always in a DM or in a comment and stuff like that. And, you know, I can just reply to it. But with a podcast or something that's 
being rated out of five and those comments turn into a one-star review that then stick around, it's really going to pull down the whole podcast. And obviously I do it for you all, I guess. Um, You know, it has an impact on how the podcast is seen. And when there are hundreds of listeners every week, but only the few, I mean, this always happens, you know, it's only the few who either, it's generally the people who have a complaint that leave the comment and the review, right? So you know, only the few who don't like it leave a comment and leave a one-star review, then I really feel, um, yeah, things are, things are going to kind of be pulled down in the charts. And what I aim to do here is kind of make North Korea tourism more accessible to people. I try and, you know, teach people or let people know that there's kind of more to North Korea than you hear in mainstream media. And if you want to help me with this, on this journey, um, then I would love you to just spend a minute... It's, you know, by the time I finished talking here, you could have left three different reviews. Uh, So I'm going to shut up now. But if you do have the time, then please do head over and give a review. Doesn't need to be a five out of five. Just, um, you know, I checked the other day and I saw some one star reviews and it's it's all stuff about me being a North Korean sympathizer and stuff like that. So, you know, if you listen and if you like it, then why not leave a review? Of course, if you're talking about quality, that's fine. I have so much more to learn here with podcasting. I'm further down the line, I'll get better equipment and stuff like that. If it's going to turn into a long-term thing, I've actually just switched mics because the one that I was using just broke. So the quality may be a little bit different this week. So I'm sorry about that. Um, But uh, and, you know, obviously I leave all the ums and ahs in because for now I prefer to kind of keep it more natural and also have so many time and, you know, so much time and so many skills to edit with um, working and studying full time too. So the quality will get better. It will, you know, when I go uh, further down the line. But uh, if you have any complaints about that, then of course, you know, feel free to leave a one star review. If you've already left me a review, then thank you so much. It really does mean the world. And one very last thing before we do get stuck in. Remember on Choreo Tours and Studio, they are holding a competition on Aim High in Creation. I spoke about this last week with Nick, had a really interesting conversation about it. This is where you can watch um, the story of... Anna going in and, you know, learning the techniques of North Korean propaganda and stuff like that. You can watch it on Vimeo if you don't want to join the competition. Absolutely fine. If you do want to join the competition, then you just head over to the show notes. There'll be a link there. Basically, super simple. You just have to answer three, like, um, you just have to point out three films. And to give you the biggest hint ever, all of those films are available to watch on Vimeo. Okay? On the on the Choreo Tours and Choreo Studio Vimeo. So that is a really big hint. You just need to name the three films and then you enter the competition. There is no, um, you know, small print, anything like that. It is just simple. And you can either win, um, there's two like codes up for rent. And then you can also, um, there's also one code for one winner that will buy it. We'll draw the names, I think, on the 31st, and it will just be completely random. You can also refer a friend for a chance to give both of you double entries. Interestingly, last week we spoke about a film called Crossing the Line. Now, this film has never been more topical because I am currently recording this a day before it comes out on Wednesday, the 19th of July. And yesterday evening, I think it was yesterday afternoon, marks the time when, if you haven't heard about it yet, basically an American citizen has crossed the DMZ from South Korea 
walking over into North Korea. And as far as we are aware, I'm no reporter here, but as far as we are aware, he is currently still in DPRK custody and things are being worked out. Apparently, he's an ex-soldier and he was on a tour to the JSA, which is the Joint Security Area, that area with the blue huts. He was on his, you know, on a trip there and apparently he just broke off from the group leaving a, a laugh behind him and just walked over into North Korea. An absolute bizarre story that keeps unraveling because apparently he was um, charged for something in South Korea or he was detained or something in South Korea and then he was sent to the airport but people only escorted him as far as the airport. So he basically just didn't get on his flight back to Texas and instead booked a tour to the JSA and went to the JSA I guess with the intention of walking over to North Korea? Maybe he just thought he would do that when he got there? Anyway, absolutely random. But there has been a case of this in the past where an American citizen, and in fact not just one, has walked over from South Korea into North Korea over that DMZ, over the military demarcation line into the north and defected into North Korea. Now, we have no idea what this guy's now in 2023 intention is. However, back in, I think, 1962, the intention of Joseph Dresner was very much to, um, you know, to defect into North Korea and at least stay for a, a short period of time. It ended up being actually for the rest of his life. And you can watch this documentary also on Vimeo. Um, it's available, I think it's about $5 to rent, $10 to buy. A very, very interesting insight into his life in North Korea, how he kind of integrated and also how he didn't integrate, how he has children, his wife, um, you know, how he becomes this North Korean citizen. And interestingly enough, so he's, he passed away, unfortunately, a few years ago. But his children, um, they're still alive, they're still in North Korea, and they are often um, cast as the baddies, the Western baddies or the Americans in North Korea propaganda films. So, very interesting. There's a little uh, snip of information. I sincerely hope, we have literally, I mean, I have literally no idea what is going on with the guy who just crossed. I can only hope that he's safe, he's fine. Um, I guess everyone's, you know, working really hard behind the scenes to figure out what's going on and to get him home safely. Um, so do keep up to date on that. Um, I think NK News have something um, on that they are uh, updating often. There's a link to a, um, I'll put it in the show notes here, the link to the article that they are keeping updated. And I guess you can just Google it as well. You'll find it everywhere. Okay, I do have one more thing I want to say before we start, and that is thank you to those two um, who won the competition. Thank you for everyone who joined the competition, actually, um, that I was running on my social media, and that was for the two North Korean calendars. Um, thank you to both of you who won it. Um, I picked the names at random. We had one on social media and then one of my patrons as well. I went to the post office on Monday to send those off. So depending on how long Taiwan's uh, air mail takes, I'm told that um, they should be with you between 14 and 20 days on. So let me know when you get them. 
We'll start now with the majestic beauty of the five famous mountains in North Korea as we explore North Korea's countryside and North Korea's mountainous areas and everything in between. I wanted to talk about this a lot because I think it's beautiful. Uh, North Korea has a lot of unexplored gorgeous areas that are you know really incredible and every time I visit a new one I'm always surprised but mainly because people still don't realize that you can visit anywhere outside of Pyongyang. Those who realize that you can visit North Korea at least, you know, a lot, a lot of people still think that it's just Pyongyang you can see. Actually, there's so much more. So there is the five, that is a mouthful, five famous mountains of North Korea. Um, the sixth, actually it's the five, the, okay, so there's six famous mountains of the Korean Peninsula. Five of them are in North Korea and the sixth is actually in the south. It's on Jeju Island, Halasan. I have been there, yeah, having climbed that in 2019, I'm now just missing a trip up Kuosan um, to take them all off. So we're going to go through all of those first to kick off this landscapes and mountains countryside episode. These mountains hold great cultural and spiritual significance in the country and offer breathtaking landscapes for adventurers and nature enthusiasts alike. Our first mountain is none other than Mount Pektu, also known as Pektusan, Changbaishan, or Baitoshan. It's considered the birthplace of the Korean people, so important in both North and South Korea. It's located on the border between North Korea and China and actually has land in both. So you can visit from both China and North Korea. And apparently the China side is much steep, steeper as you go up. It's much more like a mountain. When I went up in 2019, we were absolutely blessed with the most gorgeous blue skies. Absolutely incredible. And I was really surprised, I have to say, at how flat it was because you basically drive up a slow and steady incline for most of the journey and then you walk the final bit or you can get a little um, gondola thing up or you can also drive up. On the China side, however, as far as I am aware, it is much more of a steep incline and you can't drive that, that far all the way up. It's, um, it's a volcanic mountain and the highest peak on the Korean Peninsula, but not too high as it only stands at 2,744 meters. That is 9,000 feet for our American friends. It does hold a whole lot of beauty though, especially if you manage to visit on a sunny day, which is actually harder than it sounds because the weather is very changeable up there. Nevertheless, it can be very beautiful with a stunning, what we call a heaven lake in, at its summit, right in the middle. And it really does attract visitors from around the world, especially coming from the China side, and which is, I guess, a little bit more accessible. Legend has it that the founder of Korea, Tangun, descended from the heavens on this sacred mountain. Interestingly, this reflects the North Korean narrative and the Pekdu bloodline of the Kim family, as a star appears at the top of Mount Pekdu, Pekdu-san, at the birth of Kim Jong-il, um, according to Korean North Korean history. The volcano has a turbulent geo geological. <laughs> the volcano has a turbulent geological history and has been the site of several significant eruptions throughout the centuries. 
The most notable eruption recorded in history occurred in 946 AD, which resulted in the formation of the current crater lake, which I named before as Heaven Lake. The volcano's explosive nature and its historical eruptions have left a mark on the surrounding landscapes too. In terms of recent seismic activity, Mount Pegtu has experienced occasional seismic events, including earthquakes and volcanic tremors. These activities are closely monitored by geological and seismological agencies to ensure public safety and gather valuable data. Indeed, I am pretty sure that I listened to a podcast fairly recently, or maybe in the past couple of years at least, from NK News actually, um, on a on someone who was working on this geological activity um, of Mount Pekdu. Interestingly, it is someone who was a or is a researcher at my um, at my old university that I studied at in London in Birkbeck. So shout out to them if they're listening at all. And I'm sorry if I am currently butchering the um, the few notes that I have on the geological formations and information of Mount Pegju. Nevertheless, uh, what I wanted to say with this is that North Korea are working with foreign scientists in order to gather valuable data as well. I noticed, um, I remember from listening to the podcast as well, that they did mention that, you know, there were some restrictions in going in, but one of the biggest um, restrictions that they had to face was the equipment that they could bring in as well, because a lot of the equipment ended up being sanctioned and stuff like that. So because of this and because of the past you know, few years of North Korea being very, very closed, it's important to note that detailed and up-to-date information on recent seismic activity may be subject to limited accessibility due to the nature of the region. Heaven's Lake or Lake Chon is situated within the crater of Mount Pegtu. So you want to be imagining a big mountain with the pointy bit as a... I want to say convex and concave, but I can't remember which one is which, so I won't say it. Basically, the triangle at the top of the mountain is inverted, um, and it's kind of just a big lake in the middle where you would expect the top peak to be. It spans an area, so this lake spans an area of around 2.8, sorry, of around 9.82 kilometers, square kilometers, which is 3.79 square miles, and is surrounded by steep cliffs and lush forests, creating a picturesque setting with its crystal clear waters, especially on a clear day like I mentioned before. You can actually technically go down. I've heard about it. Um... Our guides didn't seem keen on it on the day. I mean, I mentioned it and they were like, yeah, sure. And then nothing really happened of it. I don't know whether it's permitted to foreigners or not. I'll have to ask my colleagues as well. Um, But there is a way to get down there to the lake. I didn't go though. This lake is fed by numerous streams and springs, actually, um, ensuring its pristine and transparent nature. The tranquil ambience, mirrored surface and reflections of the surrounding mountain make Lake Chon a really captivating sight. But we've spent far too much time at Mount Pegtu now, and it is time to go much further south. So we were just in right in uh, North Korea's north 
I want to say east, but it is bordering China. So it depends on what your east and west kind of mean here. But um, it's in North Korea. It's very far north. And it is very, very cold up there, by the way. We're going all the way down south now. In fact, so far down south that if we carried on through this region, we would accidentally walk over the border. We're going to the Kumgang Mountains, Kumgang San, also known as the Diamond Mountains. That is what their translation means. So nestled in the southeast region of North Korea, these mountains offer a picturesque landscape, serene valleys and captivating waterfalls. With its diverse flora and fauna, the Kumgang San mountain range have been an inspiration for artists and poets throughout history. That is the same to say, of course, for Mount Pekdu as well. You see loads of depictions of Mount Pekdu all over the country. One of the most famous of which will be the big Mount Pekdu mosaic. I'm pretty sure it's a mosaic behind the Grand Monument statues in Pyongyang of Kim Jong-il and Kim Il-sung. It's actually located so far south in North Korea that you can see it from South Korea. Indeed, on a trip along the border once with some colleagues, shout out to Greg, I did just that. One notable area associated with the Kumgang Mountains is the Kumgang Tourist Zone. So I'm going to speak about that a little bit first. For several years, this was an area open to South Korean tourists, providing a unique opportunity for cultural exchange and engagement between the two Koreas. This tourist zone was developed in cooperation between North and South Korea and aimed to promote peaceful interaction and understanding. The Kumgang Tourist Zone was known for its stunning natural landscape and offered various attractions and activities. Visitors could explore scenic hiking trails, visit cultural sites, and enjoy leisurely boat rides along the picturesque coastline. The zone was also home to hotels, restaurants, and other amenities to accommodate the influx of tourists. Unfortunately, most have now been torn down in recent years with the falling of relationships between the two sides. Back when it was open, the Kumgang Tourist Zone symbolized a significant step towards fostering inter-Korean relations and promoting people-to-people -people exchange. South Korean tourists had the opportunity to experience the beauty of the Kumgang Mountains and engage with North Korean locals, creating precious memories and fostering a sense of unity. However, just like the hotels that have now been torn down, relations between North and South Korea have gone with them. The operation of the Kumgang Tourist Zone has faced interruptions and challenges due to geopolitical tensions. In recent years, the zone has been closed to South Korean tourists, limiting cross-border interactions and temporarily halting the exchange of cultural experiences. I'm pretty sure this closure was culminated in one incident where a South Korean woman was unfortunately shot by a North Korean shoulder and shot to death, I'm pretty sure. Um, as far as I'm aware, the incident happened as follows. She was, or he, actually I'm not sure, um, was walking along the beach in North Korea in the Kumgangsan area and she walked into an area that she shouldn't have done or either way a North Korean shoulder was asking her to stop and she obviously didn't hear or, or you know something happened and she didn't and the North Korean soldier unfortunately fired at her and um, yeah this was the end of, um, of that area and those exchanges unfortunately.
Although the access to the Kumgang tourist zone may be limited at present, the beauty and cultural significance of the Kumgang mountain range remain. The area continues to captivate visitors with its breathtaking landscapes and serene ambience. Hopefully, in the future, potentially, the opening of the Kumgang tourist zone will once again provide an avenue for cross-border interactions, fostering peace, understanding and the exploration of shared heritage. Hopefully this happens soon, but what is much more likely to happen sooner is the borders of North Korea will open for tourism, not holding my breath, but I hope within the next year at least. So if you're not a South Korean citizen, you could visit the Kungangsan mountain range via the normal tourist route and go through North Korea. And you, you know, the scenic drive down there is absolutely incredible. You go all along the coast, it's really beautiful. It is quite a far way from Pyongyang. But it's a really nice drive. Uh, the Koreans like any long drive in North Korea and any drive throughout the countryside. The roads aren't very well maintained and the Koreans do say that you get a free massage when you do so. But it's really worth it to go to Kumgangsan. I'm not exaggerating when I say it's absolutely gorgeous. Some of the hikes that you can do, it's... And it's so peaceful, you know, there's no one there. Uh, you don't have to barge, barge around people on the hiking trails. It's very peaceful, very calm, very quiet and gorgeous. And I think I've been very blessed here because every single mountain that I've been to in North Korea has been absolutely incredible weather. I don't actually remember it being rainy when I've ever visited a mountain in North Korea. So maybe I've just been super lucky, but, and I have all these good impressions of it. One of my favorite things about going to Mount Kumgang is the hotel. It's a really, really fancy hotel, um, maybe South Korean built, I would have to check that, uh, but certainly built as part of, um, you know, this tourist region, it's, it's really fancy, really nice, and you get a really nice mountain view, and close by is the hot spa, which is a cool experience in itself, largely because you kind of just get to see the North Koreans in a really candid atmosphere you know this is not a curated atmosphere this is literally them just chilling at a spa in a really kind of vulnerable setting as well because you're at a spa and everyone's just chilling together and you just it really you know if if it hasn't hit you yet when you go to a spa in North Korea or in Korea and bearing in mind spas in Asian countries a lot of the time they you have to take off your clothes. And I don't mean get into your underwear. You have to take off all your clothes. So everyone is in, you know, you are literally stripped naked, but in every sense of the word. You don't have your clothes, yeah, but at the same time, in a kind of... Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Guess a philosophical way, you know, everyone's just just stripped of, of everything and you are down to one thing and that is the fact that you are just humans and it doesn't matter where you're born or where you grow up and whether you grow up in North Korea or whether you grow up in the US or wherever it happens to be, everyone is, you know, the same and everyone enjoys a chill out at a bathhouse um, and, you know, a calming relax and soak in, in, the, in the hot waters and a massage and stuff like that. So, Maybe that's me just reading into things, but it for me again, it's just a very human experience that you know couldn't get any more, I guess, pure. Back to the hiking. The hiking in Kungangsan is exceptional, uh, a really nice experience that truly justifies the trip if you have the time during your tour. Widely regarded as one of the best hiking destinations in Korea, Kungangsan's allure is. Ev- is ever-present throughout the seasons, showcasing its natural beauty year-round. However, it's important to note that winter poses challenges due to it being uh, much more cold during that time. There are various hiking courses in Kungangsan, but the most popular hike is in the area of the Kuryong Waterfall course, known for its manageable difficulty and mostly flat terrain along the river valley leading to the waterfall. The hike typically takes around two hours from the car park. And when I say mostly flat, I kind of don't mean that it's very flat. (laughs) It definitely does go up on quite an incline at some points, but I suppose you can say generally flat. It really depends what your generally flat is. It's certainly a lot flatter to some other hikes that I've done, but you are going on a steady incline up. There are some nice little streams along the way that you can get water from, but you should definitely bring your own water and some snacks as well. But honestly, it's just incredible. As you hike up, there are so many like gorgeous pools of, of you know, it's, it's like a constant waterfall that's coming down. And then in the like different pools of rocks that, you know, once you get up to like really high, then you look down and you just see these gorgeous looking pools of like crystal blue clear water oh I just remember the first time I went there I was I was so shocked the hike typically takes around two hours from the car park to the waterfall um, generally a four-hour trip you can complete it in less time or more time and there's certainly a bunch of stuff you can do along the way you can actually climb up to the top of the waterfall as well along the way you will see various things, various highlights, such as the Samroksu Spring. This is a natural water spring believed to contain ginseng and deer antlers. Legend has it that drinking from the spring on the way up makes you 10 years younger, while drinking from it on the way down will make you another 10 years younger. Woohoo! 
You'll also come across the Kumgang Mun, which is a magnificent natural stone gate, one of the five found in the Kumgangsan range. Okryu Dam and Waterfall, these are a series of ponds and waterfalls adorned with most beautiful green-coloured water that I was just talking about before. The Ronju Dam Ponds, two ponds located at the base of the Bimong Waterfall, said to have been created by jewels dropped by two playing angels. Bibong Waterfall itself is one of Kumgangsan's four famous waterfalls. Its cascading water resembles a phoenix with its wings unfurled. Sangpal Dam. This series of eight ponds can only be seen from the top of the Koryongde Observatory. It offers a breathtaking view of the Mount Kumgang Range and valley stretching out towards the East Sea of Korea. Of course, you will then hit Kuryong Falls, one of Korea's three renowned waterfalls standing at an incredible 74 meters tall. Over time, it has carved out a 13 meter deep pool at its base. The name Kuryong translates to nine dragons because local legend has it that nine dragons once dwelled in the area, safeguarding the Kumgansan Mountains. The Kuryong Waterfall course concludes at a pavilion where you can rest, eat, Drink some water and admire the scenic view before basically going exactly the way back, the same way that you came up. There are various things to help you on the way up. There are some ropes and stuff like that, but generally it's quite, um, it's not a path you can get lost on. So it's absolutely fine. Usually when I go there, you know, I just tell people to take it at their own pace. I don't go too quick, but I also don't go too slowly. I kind of try and stay in the middle. There are people that absolutely run up it and people obviously that take their time. Generally, um, you know, it will take you around two hours to complete. If it's hot, maybe a little bit longer, but everyone does get a chance to rest at the top. It's a really great hike um, and it's just a really nice chance to, you know, not have, not be around all the guides all the time. And this is one of those opportunities where I'm like, yeah, you have to have guides with you, but also like they're not breathing down your necks at all times. When you're in an area like this, you can just walk around by yourself, which is quite nice. Next up on our list, and we are going a little bit closer back to Pyongyang. Located in the northwest of Korea, the Myohang Mountains or Myohangsan are known for their serene landscapes, deep valleys and historic temples. These mountains hold great cultural significance and are often referred to as the Mountains of Mysterious Fragrance, Myohang meaning fragrance. Among the notable sites here is the Pohyon Temple. This is a Buddhist temple founded in the 11th century. The temple complex houses numerous precious artifacts and is a testament to the country's rich cultural heritage. You may be asking here, well, I thought religion wasn't allowed in North Korea. And this is one of those tricky things where I think religion is less of an aspect here and more historical and cultural heritage. Yet they will say that it is a functioning Buddhist temple, and you may have the chance to see monks here. Make that of it what you will. The Myohang Mountains offer picturesque hiking scales, scenic picnic spots, and the chance to experience the tranquility of nature. You too can join in these. It's not too far away from Pyongyang, as I said, and it is just a day trip out, or you can spend the night there as well. 
If you do want to spend the night in Myohangsan or you get the chance to, then I would say definitely go for it. Myohangsan is actually home to North Korea's potentially best hotel. It's the only seven-star hotel, and now I think they do work on their own ratings here. And it's probably more similar to a good three, maybe a four-star hotel, depending on what your range is going from. It's a very nice hotel, though, and it is situated in the mountains. Truly bizarre architecture. It is this triangle pyramid-style structure right in the middle of nowhere in the gorgeous mountain scenery. It's actually really nice, and it's met with, you know, when you go in, you're kind of met with the typical North Korean architecture of very high ceilings, marble floors, um, you know, everything is very clinical and um, clean and flat and yeah it's very it's very interesting and it's very big and it is very beautiful I think it does kind of give you an airy feeling though because more often than not if you are not going at a particularly busy time you are probably going to be the only guests in this absolutely massive hotel there is a bar and stuff like that and the food is really good, to be honest. The food is really, really good there. And the waitresses are absolutely lovely. They're genuinely always up for chatting. They're actually really nice. And the rooms are really big as well. It is a really nice hotel, but you don't want to spend more than one night here because there's not really much to do around apart from the hiking trails. But there is actually a really interesting thing um, in the Myohangzan area, which is the International Friendship Exhibition. This is a hall carved literally into the mountain, and it's full of artifacts gifted to the leaders by foreign countries. This exhibition is a historical and cultural testament to the country's commitment to showcasing gifts and tokens of friendship received from international leaders, dignitaries, and individuals. It consists of several buildings and halls, including the Exhibition Hall of International Friendship Gifts and the Exhibition Hall of National Gifts. These halls house an extensive collection of thousands of gifts, artifacts and artworks presented to the North Korean leaders, primarily the late leaders of Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il. Visitors to the exhibition are immersed in a fascinating display of diplomatic gestures and cultural exchanges. It's always interesting to see what country has gifted what artifact. The vast collection features an array of items ranging from intricate artworks and handicrafts to valuable jewellery, antique furniture and even elaborate cars. There is also a bizarre section in there where there is actually aeroplanes. Yep literal aeroplanes inside this building which is inside a mountain. The exhibition offers insights into the diverse cultures and traditions of the countries that have engaged in diplomatic relations with North Korea. More often than not the gift does reflect something about that country. The International Friendship Exhibition not only highlights the relations between North Korea and other nations, but also serves as a source of pride and national identity. It symbolizes the country's desire for peaceful coexistence, understanding, and fostering international relationships. You, of course, should have a guide taking you around, which is good as they can provide historical context interpret the significance of the gifts and share stories behind specific items. It's not a place that you can walk around by yourself and indeed you probably wouldn't want to because 
it really adds something to having the guide there. And I don't mean one of the guides who's been taking you around for the past few days or whatever, but I mean an on-site guide they know the museum hall the most. Engaging with knowledgeable guides or experts will enhance the understanding and appreciation of the exhibition's cultural and diplomatic importance. There is so much stuff here, you could literally spend the entire day. No joke, I'm pretty sure one tourist did one time, um, booking on a private tour. The halls themselves are grand and security is tight. It's one of those no photos places, unfortunately, and you go through a metal detector on the way in and have to leave all of your belongings behind. The door is also opened with a special glove, I guess, to preserve its beauty? I don't know. The door itself is actually pretty grand. Um, it's this massive door with a golden doorknob handle. Yeah. The Buddhist temple here, which you... Back to the Buddhist temple here in Myohangsan, which you might be curious about, is also a very place to visit. It's just very nice to walk around, and more often than not, a tour to Myohangsan will include this. It's also known as Pohyonsa, which was originally established during the Koryo dynasty, which ruled Korea from the 10th to the 14th century, hence the name Koryo in a lot of things all to do with Korea, by the way. The temple complex has been renovated and expanded over the centuries, and it continues to serve as a place of worship and pilgrimage for Buddhists in North Korea. Again, bear in mind that there is no religious freedom in the DPRK. The architecture of the temple reflects traditional Korean Buddhist style. The buildings are characterized by the intricate wood carvings, colorful paintings, and gracefully curved roof lines. The temple complex is surrounded by lush forests and offers a serene and peaceful atmosphere that complements the spiritual nature of the site. It's an absolutely lovely place to walk around in spring when the cherry blossoms are blooming and you have all of the greens and pinks and everything. It's very nice. Within the temple grounds, visitors can explore various structures that hold religious and historical significance. The main hall, called the Daeyongjeon, is the principal building where important ceremonies and rituals take place. It houses statues of Buddhas adorned with intricate artwork and symbolism. Don't get me started here on the conversation of religion in North Korea because this is one of those grey areas that doesn't really make sense. There is no religious freedom in North Korea despite what the official narrative is, and therefore logic would tell us Buddhist temples are not permitted either. Well, these are celebrated, and you'll also find practicing monks. Although my interpretation of it is that it's historically and cultural significant, and that's why it's here, not because of the Buddhism religion ties. Indeed, I find that in East Asia, and from my experience, I mean in Korea, Japan, and China, and Taiwan, that Buddhism is less of a religion as we in the West might understand it and more of a way of life. It also has deep cultural ties that you grow up with, such as going to the temple to pray for example for good exam results. And then apart from when you have exams or something like that, then you, you might not go and you might forget all about it. Um, you know, also in certain times of your life, trying to, when you're getting married or wishing for good luck or even trying to get pregnant, stuff like that. Few people, or at least few youths nowadays, really believe in in the in God or believe in the practices the, of the religious aspect that is held behind Buddhism. Perhaps this is why North Korea sees it as something that's not too threatening to. 
A notable structure within the temple complex is the Kumdang Pavilion. This wooden pavilion is renowned for its ornate design and serves as a place for meditation and reflection. The pavilion offers panoramic views of the stunning mountains surrounding it and serves as a peaceful retreat for visitors seeking some tranquility. The Myohangsan mountain range is one of the most frequently visited on this list purely, I think, for the proximity to uh, Pyongyang. It's very easy to get there from Pyongyang and it offers so much. You've got the Friendship Exhibition, you've got the Buddhist Temple, you've got hiking and you can also stay there overnight. But we will be moving now to one of the least visited areas and actually I think I have to say it is my favorite. The next up, the next one that we're going to talk about is Chilbosan, North Korea's Mount Chilbo, where you will also find some Buddhist temples too. This is a stunning mountain range along the East Sea, characterized by rugged cliffs, vibrant rock formations, and panoramic coastal views. The peaks of Mount Chilbo rise up to 1,910 meters, thick 6,266 feet, and are covered in dense forests. The area is a nature lover's paradise, with hiking trails winding through breathtaking landscapes. Visitors can explore the unique rock formations, discover hidden waterfalls, and enjoy the peaceful atmosphere of this truly hidden gem. I still have not forgotten the first time I ever went to Mount Chilbo. It's truly a breathtaking place. It's absolutely gorgeous and one of the best hikes that I've ever been on in my life, let alone North Korea. And I think that's partly due to the fact that I didn't really have many expectations, but also due to the fact that it is truly a very beautiful hike and you have generally the whole trail to yourself. If this was anywhere else in the world, it would be teeming with tourists, but it's not. It's just you and it's just your guides. And again, just like in Kungang San, you're not expected to have the guides breathing down your neck right next to you. You can just enjoy the view and, you know, you enjoy the hike. And from memory, I think it takes around um, a couple of hours to complete. And it is all, you know, a steady incline up. But you just have incredible views along the way and, and the hike itself is just really beautiful. And once you get to the top, you're actually greeted with this natural stone gate. And this was one of my favorite bits of the hike. So the first time I went here, I got I was walking with the guides and so we got up together and I think we were actually the first ones. We kind of left everyone else behind. Um, and the guides one of them, the main guide in Mount Chilbo area, because when you go up to the northeast, you actually get a different set of guides. It's a little bit complicated, but anyway, he was from, you know, the northeast of North Korea, which is where the Chilbo Sand Range is. And he basically was like, do you want to go a little bit higher? And I was like, what do you mean? And even though you're at the top of this like mountain range with gorgeous, gorgeous views below, and views all around you like that's the most incredible thing is these mountains this mountain range it's not just one mountain it's just mountains and mountains and mountains and mountains and valleys and just gorgeousness but then he took me to the top of this stone gate which is just one of those things that I think about it now and I was like wow that was really dangerous because it's literally just a stone gate with you know um uh, I guess it must be about a meter wide, 
maybe not even a meter. Um, it's not very wide at all, but it's definitely wide enough to sit on. But you do just sit on it and you peer over from each side and it is very tall. And the most incredible thing about this is it's really hard to imagine, but you're at the top of the mountain and you've got this stone gate. And on one side is the side that you first see it when you first walk up. And so to this side, you have like the rest of the mountain. It's not a sheer drop, but you climb up to the top of this stone gate and you can suddenly see over right to the bottom of the sea. And it is a pretty sheer drop all the way down. The sea is technically, you know, it's miles away, but you can see it so well. And again, on this day, it was just, there was not a cloud in the sky. The sea was absolutely twinkling, it was gorgeous, all the greens and blues together from all the fauna and then the sea, it was absolutely gorgeous and um, and me and the guide spent a long time taking some pictures up there before yeah, climbing safely down. It was actually um, pretty scary when I think about it but Mount Chilbo, there's not too much to say um, about Mount Chilbo itself in terms of you know the things that there is to see there but once you get to this mountain range you are greeted with a map that shows the sheer size of it it is an absolutely massive area um, and obviously you can't hike at all but there are some typical hiking trails that you can do if I could I would love to spend weeks in there days in there at least but usually on a tour you're only going to spend a couple of nights in the northeast and the northeast has so much more to offer than just you know Chilbosan and it's so hard to get there so you want to make the most out of your trips and most people don't spend too much time there but it is um it stays in my mind as one of the most beautiful spots that I've ever been to in North Korea and one of them that I I really want to get back to. I don't want to talk too much about, I feel like I've talked on and on and on for about mountains now and I want to get to the end of these. So I will quickly move on to Kuolsan. Kuolsan is nestled in the southwest region of North Korea. It is known for its beauty again and its dense forests. The mountain range features numerous peaks, valleys and clear streams, creating a haven for those outdoor enthusiasts. Mount Kuol offers a range of hiking opportunities from gentle slopes to more challenging trails and the serene environment provides a perfect backdrop for picnicking and immersing oneself in nature and also potentially camping which is not a thing that happens in North Korea yet but I'm working on it. Visitors can witness the vibrant colours of the foliage during the autumn season making it a popular destination for nature photography and relaxation. It may not be a commonly visited destination due to the limited range of activities, but there are some scenic stops in the mountains and it's worth a visit to Waljong Temple. This can definitely enhance your itinerary. The temple, built in stages since the 9th century, comprises of pleasant halls and pavilions nestled in the beautiful Mount Kuol area. Additionally, the area boasts some of the UNESCO-listed Koguryo Dynasty royal tombs, adding historical significance to the surroundings. There are also several notable sites around the area, including the ruins of the Kuol Fort. This dates back to the Koguryo dynasty and stands as a testament to the area's rich history, although now reduced to little more than a wall and underutilized archeological site. These remnants offer insights into a fascinating period of history, making them particularly interesting for specialists in the field. 
Another noteworthy site in the area is Samsung Temple. This was constructed around the 14th century to hold memorial services for the Korean founder Tangun. The temple reflects the cultural heritage of the region and provides a tranquil setting for contemplation and appreciation. While Mount Kuo's highest peak reaches a modest elevation of 954 meters above sea level, the entire area boasts an impressive 99 peaks. And it is worth noting that much of Mount Kuo falls within the Mount Kuo Biosphere Reserve, a conservation project aimed at preserving and sustaining the biodiversity in the area. Additionally, the reserve serves as a research site for studying ecological changes in nearby wetlands, which are crucial habitats for numerous migratory bird species. And since we are way over halfway through the episode, and I'm certainly not over halfway through what I wanted to mention about North Korea's mountains and landscapes, and I definitely don't want to rush through it all, it seems like I'm going to have to make this episode a two-parter. So sorry to leave you at the end of the mountains with somewhat a bit of a cliffhanger, but do make sure to tune in next week where we're going to be exploring the various waterfalls and other hidden gems you'll find within the North Korean countryside. In the meantime, you can find various photos and videos of the North Korean countryside on my Instagram and YouTube, where you can find me at ZoeDiscoversNK or at ZoeDiscovers. You can also email me with any questions you might have on ZoeDiscovers at gmail.com. And if you do get a second, remember to hit that review button on whatever platform you are listening on. Thanks and tune in next time.